there, podcast land. You are such a guy once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 184. Holy smokes. Our guest a little bit later on going 10 rounds of Rhino, Bellator lightweight Alon Cruz. He is such a great interview. Really, really fun guy to talk to. Outstanding fighter. I think you guys are going to love it. Can't wait for you to check that out a little bit later on. So, APB, we are going to have our full UFC Vegas 77 breakdown, our drop of the night. Picks for Fight Night London this upcoming Saturday. An awesome Q&A session with some members of the Rhino Gang. Then the aforementioned Bellator lightweight Alon Cruz is the latest fighter to go 10 rounds in Rhino. So let's go ahead and get our strip trucks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So UFC Vegas 77 was last night. One of the more shit on cards by people before it started. But it ended up being okay. I wouldn't say it was great. But it was I fun. Say it was fun. There was plenty of good fights, even though there was some kind of snooze fest. So the beginning was 135 pounds. We had Alina Perez versus Ashley Evans-Smith off of her long two- or three-year debut, or not debut, uh, layoff. Um, got, yeah, so I think it was two or three years since her last fight. So they get in there, and then automatically, right from the start, Alina Perez, a three-piece combo, and then a takedown with ground and pound. And then the next round, body lock takedown. When they got back up, they went right back down. <laughs> Alina Perez landing more shots. Basically, the last 30 seconds was the only offense that Ashley Evans Smith got off in the first two rounds. And then in the third round, again, Alim Perez takedown. When they did get up, Ashley could land a shot or two, but then she would go right back down. Ground upon pure domination for Alim Perez over Ashley Evans Smith. And we got ourselves a little bit of a twerking show after that first one, which was interesting. <laughs> Especially the, uh, I saw a lot of memes of the, you know, that, um, uh, translator who we all like who does both Spanish and Portuguese he was staring straight at her butt <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that that's yeah, hilarious I mean really everyone funny. was staring straight at her of butt course. not only did she twerk I mean she like twerked you know what I mean she, like spanked her butt too it was a whole she, thing yeah <laughs> she was, uh, it's a good thing they weren't on ABC <laughs> right this was not a family friendly moment for the uh, post fight interview for Alain Perez but great win for her over Ashley Evans Smith all right Let's get into our first Rhino Gang fighter at 155 pounds with Carl Deaton III, or CD3, versus Alex Munoz, the wrestling coach at Team Alpha Male. This one was interesting because, like, I felt like Carl was landing a little bit more and a little bit cleaner. But when Alex Munoz was landing, he was hurting Carl. You know what I mean? Carl was, um, you know, maybe taking a quick knee or seemed to get stumbled or uh, for a minute or two. But again, I thought the first two rounds were really, really close. Uh, Could have gone either way. Munoz was really, really stepped up in the third round. He had a takedowns. He had ground control. He had ground and pound. He had a few submission attempts. So, like, again, it really kind of depends on the judges. And it was not a robbery that Alex Munoz won. Not at all. He got the clear-cut UD on that one. But, again, I thought that the first round could have gone either way. The second round could have gone either way. And then the third was definitely for Alex. So, Carl Deaton the third. Again, we, he's a wonderful dude. He's a great fighter. I can't wait to see him get another shot back in the UFC. I think he's going to do some good stuff over there at 155. And then Alex Munoz proved he's not just a wrestler and wrestling coach. So, good uh, good job by him. So, let's go ahead and move into our third fight, which was Azat Maxim versus Tyson Nam at 125 pounds. Now, Azat is like, uh, you know, like the new hot prospect, right? And Tyson Nam, kind of the crafty old veteran. And this was a good fight. This was a close fight. It seemed like every time Azat would land a few teeps and a few leg kicks, Tyson Nam would come back with a couple of hooks or a few body shots. It was a very back-and-forth fight. Uh, I thought Tyson just took his foot off the gas a little bit too much and let Azat kind of pull ahead. Uh, again, very, very close fight. It would be a split decision for Azat Maxim over Tyson Nam, but a very close fight and entertaining as well. All right, moving back into 155 pounds, we have our guy, Evan Elder, 
versus oh gosh, I my handwriting is awful on this first name. Um, I'm just gonna call him Mr. Valdez because I can't even read what I wrote for his first name on this one. So Evan Elder and Valdez, holy crap, they went out swinging from the very beginning. The first big overhand shot was Evan Elder, and he dropped Valdez. Um, APB, while you're listening, can you look up his first name? I want to make sure I've got it right for, for Valdez, please, from Tapology. Because okay. I want to make sure I give him a shot. Because, I, again, I cannot read my writing, which is pretty terrible. All right, so, yeah, Evan Elder lands a big overhand right. Hurts Valdez. Because he tries, like, a really hard guillotine at first. But, thankfully, Valdez was able to get out. Evan started to establish a really nice jab. At the end of the first round, Valdez had a huge overhand right, which got uh, Evan's attention for sure. In the in the in the second round, or another early takedown with a jab for double E Evan Elder, uh, and then Valdez came back and he dropped Evan with a hard shot. I mean, it was a car crash uh, in the best possible way in that second round. It was a great back and forth, really big knee uh, by Evan Elder too, which seemed to hurt him. Again, that second round was really really fun. The third round, you know, there was a big slam takedown. Um, they slowed down a little bit, right? It was still good. But they definitely slowed down. Did you uh, did you find uh, Mr. Valdez's first name from the APB? Yes, it's Gennaro or Gennaro. Gennaro. Okay, thank you. So Gennaro and Evan put on a great performance last night. I mean, really both deserving of 50 grand extra. Evan Elder got the uh, decision in that one. But, yeah, what a great fight. Kudos to both guys. And thank you for looking that up for me because – You're welcome. All I can read out there was the A-R-O because the whole first part is just chicken scratch. So, yeah, I definitely hated <laughs> that. All right, moving into our fifth fight, we had Austin Lingo, Rano Gang versus Mela Quizel Costa. And holy shit, APB. I love Austin Lingo. I love everybody yeah, who's been on the show. Gosh. He got ate the fuck up. With those kicks. Costa was so good at being in range to land the kicks to the body, the kicks to the leg, and the occasional high kick as well. Dom Cruz said it perfectly. He doesn't, he doesn't even like telegraph it. It just comes so fast yeah. from like a normal and hard, stance. so yeah. hard. Those kicks were hurting me. <laughs> so I can just imagine how it felt all the way through Lingo. the screen. Yeah, yeah. No, Austin Lingo was just getting tore up. Uh, and again, it wasn't like. We love to talk about toughness on this show and on every show I hear and everything we watch. Toughness is a major factor, of course. Obviously, Austin Lingo is incredibly tough because he took all that punishment. I don't and damage, know how he did it. But he just didn't adjust enough in fight right. with the strategy. Exactly. For me. You know, I'm probably for anybody He else needed to check for. those kicks and throw some of his own to take away his weapons. That's the I only way him, he can do that. Or, if you can't. Yeah, if you can't do something like that, clinch I more. wanted him to clinch or just die for legs or do anything to stop the onslaught of the kicks right. that was coming. But, yeah, dude, he hung in there. Wow. I, I, really. I, I don't know what else to say. Mel, Mel, I want to say his name right. Mel Quizazel Costa was just dominant. He looked fantastic in that okay. fight. Got the decision at 145 pounds over our guy, Austin Lingo. All right. Oh, let's get through this one quickly. 115 pounds, or we had Victoria Dudakova versus Estela <laughs> Nunez. Essentially, they come out, they throw a few punches. Dudakova dives for a single leg, rolls. Uh, Estela Nunez goes to catch her fall as she's being taken down, and her left elbow completely dislocates and looks gruesome. <laughs> uh, it was a bad one. And that's from APB, who loves gross shit. Yeah, I love gross stuff. But we've said this before. The Whenever things snap like that, like even I'm like kind of like, ooh, 
so I handled the the dislocation, which again is gross and horrible. It was the screaming. Yeah, Dude, that was that yeah. was why I was like, I literally was like, oh, I hate this. Oh, I hate. Yeah. So Nunez fully. They showed her uh, X-ray online, and of course, we could all tell anyway without the X-ray. But it was fully dislocated, yeah. several inches away from where it was supposed to be. She's looking at a long rehab surgery, I'm assuming. I'm sure all kinds of things got torn, tendons and ligaments and whatnot in there. So, yeah, speedy recovery wishes for Estella Nunez. Dudikova didn't really get to show much, but, hey, she got the win. So there was that at 115 pounds. All right. Moving into Tucker Lux. Lux. Tucker Lutz versus Melsic <laughs> Bagdasarian. Uh, this one was another case of, like, on the feet, Melsic Bagdasarian looked phenomenal. Uh, his kicks, his punches, his in and out, his speed – all-world, incredible, amazing striker. Tucker Lutz, when he would get Melsic down, was dominant on the ground, not with ground and pound or submissions, but just with top control and be able to hold him down and really kind of impose his will on the ground. So it really kind of boiled down to lots of top control in the first round for Lutz. Melsic, some nice um, nice kicks, punches, and a beautiful uppercut in the second. And basically, Mel- Melsic did a good job of being on his feet for the majority of the third. Tucker did get a late takedown, but didn't do much with it other than have top control. To me, it was a very clear-cut unanimous decision for Melsic Bagdasarian. As we know, damage is the number one criteria, not just these days, but for a while now. So fighters got to remember, it's great to get a takedown. It's great to get top control, side control, you know, 50-50, whatever. You got it. You got to do damage. You got to throw punches, kicks, elbow, not kicks, but punches, knees, elbows, try for submissions. You got to do damage. Otherwise, you're not going to get the nod. Long or over are the days of the lay and pray wrestler. So you've got to be able to do damage from whatever position you're in, both on the ground or on the feet, if you want to get a win. All right. Let's move into our eighth fight, which was Terrence McKinney, Rondo Gang versus Nazim Saitikov. Early takedown um, for T-Rex, dude. He was looking good early. A late reversal. They got back onto the feet in exchange the first. And then in the, early in the second round, Terrence initiated. He was went for a takedown, went into a scramble. Nazim ended up on top. And then Nazim takes his back, puts on the rear naked choke, taps about. I mean, Nadim Sadikov went through him like a hot knife through butter with that submission in the second round. So big win for him at 155 pounds. All right. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> so here's here's the conundrum that I find myself in, APV. <laughs> Next, we have Chelsea Chandler versus Norma Dumont. Yes. Ch- Chelsea Chandler is Rhino Gang. I've met her in person. She's a really cool person. She's a good fighter. At one point of this fight, uh, she got rocked. Uh, it was a couple of good hard punches by Norma Dumont, and Chelsea turned and sprinted to the other side of the cage. My my, and again, I'm no expert, but my my opinion is this, and what I think is this, and Dom Cruz kind of alluded to it as well. She got hurt, and she wanted to find the cage to get her wits about her to then turn, you know, be able to get back into the fight, which she did. So, is it the best look optics wise to sprint towards the cage? No. Does she deserve to be piled on and shit on by every meme in the entire planet? No. She's only, that was only her, what, seventh fight in, the, you know, in, in MMA? And so she is, a, she is a tough fighter. She is a good fighter. And she just ran up against Norma Dumont, who is a really good fighter. She's and, one of the best fighters right and now. Put on a, and put on a really good performance last night. And Chelsea, to her credit, stayed in there. She was aggressive. She tried moving forward, landing her shots. Norma was just a little bit ahead of her as far as striking and on staying on top when she got her down. But again, this was not, to me, this was not one of those dominant fights where it was just one-way traffic the whole time. It wasn't at all. But we're going to, you know, the unfortunate part is they're going to use that clip over and over and over again, and that's going to be the narrative of the fight, which really wasn't the case. 
You know what I'm saying? Chelsea was in there. Norma was just better last night. So that is my take on that one. Norma Dumont by unanimous decision. And that one at 145 pounds. All right. Let's get to our 10th fight, which is 185 pounds. Albert Duria versus John Young Park. APB, I love John Young Park. I love the Iron Turtle. The Iron Turtle. Yeah, I just thought thought Duryev was going to be a little bit faster and was going to be able to land more against John Young Park. I was wrong. And I'm mad I was right. I picked that one right. <laughs> I did pretty good last night. I, I, I did, did very bad last week. <laughs> so we switched because I did pretty well last week. And yeah. I did terrible last night. So John Young Park basically took a beating for the first couple of minutes by Duryev. Got the late guillotine attempt, which was close. And then in the second round, Albert got the early takedown. They got right back up. And then Park started pouring it on, dude. Um he, he he popped over with this really gnarly elbow, which opened him wide open on the head. Uh, he took his back, slipped over, got the arm underneath the neck. Second round, I'm, I'm sorry, he got out of it at first. But the second rear naked choke attempt for, for the Iron Turtle got dirty. Uh, I mean, I'm never picking. I said it last night online. I'm never picking against the Iron Turtle again. I don't care who he's fighting. Yeah, I'm all in either. on the Iron Turtle. Jung Young Park, we are all team Iron Turtle over here at CSWR for moving forward for good. All right. And his dancing. Let's not forget to mention his <laughs> dancing as well, because I mean, he really might have out like overshadowed the twerk, and that's hard to do because that was quite a twerk. I mean, I really liked, I like the dancing at the end of fights. I think we need less talking and more dancing. I, I said that to you guys last night in the group. Yeah, chat. yeah, yeah, yeah. Less talking, more dancing. <laughs> I love it. All right, less talking, more dancing. All right, let's get to our eleventh fight, which was Ahmed Azhar versus Francisco Prado. Everybody kind of knew going in this was going to be a, a banger, and it lived up to the hype, dude. Ottman Azhar, Francisco Prado really got after it from the very beginning. Um, now, here was, here, was my, here was my contention. When I saw it live, it looked because they were, they were up against the cage. Azhar's back was against the cage. It looked like Prado threw um, the back elbow, but, the, but I thought that the forearm landed. So it was like a spinning back elbow, right? But it ended up being the actual point. I had to watch it again today. It was the actual point of the elbow. Knocked Azatar right in the face. Dropped him. Then uh, he got on top. Poured on the, the the ground and pound. Insane hammer fist for Prado. Who, again, only 21 years old, dude. Going against incredible uh, um, veteran. The way Azatar is. And Prado just whooped his ass on the ground. Opened him up. Now, there were some people who were talking a little bit of shit. Because Ottman just had just kicked out. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just kicked away when the referee stopped it. I believe it was Tyone, uh, or as I call him, ASMR. Ref. And uh, I think that the fucking, you know, I think it was a good stoppage. You could have done a little bit earlier because he got dropped and he got hurt up against the cage. He was eating some terrible shots of ground and pop. But, no, it was a good stoppage. So he ended up getting the uh, TKO in the first round in that one. All right. Moving into the biggest surprise of the night last night, to be honest, really. Jack Della Maddalena, who is a phenomenal 170-pounder, going against the very late notice, far less experienced, Basil Hafez. Holy shit, APB. It was a great fight. Basil had no, gave no fucks about Jack Della, Maddalena, Jack Della Maddalena's resume, about his star power, about anything going on with his camp. He was like, nope, I'm here to fight. This is my UFC opportunity. I'm going to make the best of it. And he did. From the very beginning, he shot in and took Jack down. Landed some ground and pound. When Jack would get up, oh, he was doing Jack Della Maddalena things. You know what I'm saying? He was landing beautiful body shots, especially uh, nice combos. 
But Basil would take him down again, and Jack would get up and fight his way, you know, back into the fight. And then Basil would take him down again. And so this was really the case of, again, like we talked about earlier, was it, are you going to score on the criteria of more damage or on more takedowns and top control? It ended up being a very close, I mean, razor close, split decision win for Jack Della Maddalena. But, I mean, Basil Hafez, what an incredible performance by you, young man. Yeah, impressive. I, yeah. Let, you know they're going to bring him back, and he's going to have sure. a more, um, you know, he's going to have a long fight camp for it. He's going to know his opponent, and it's going to be a more on par with his level of experience. It's going to be his ex-opponent, Jack Delamadalena. Boy, he pulled that one out by the skin of his teeth. <laughs> so, you know, good win for him. But, yeah, the, really the story is Basil Hafez. What a, what a great job, man. Uh, awesome, awesome stuff. All right, let's get into our main event. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is so exciting! <clears throat> yeah, so again, I'm I'm I like Holly Holm. I, I I do. I will always like her. And again, I don't like her fighting style as of late. The whole pressure up against the cage and foot stomp and short little shots the whole time. That's not my. I, I don't like that style of fight. But she broke John Rousey's jaw. If you are some female fighter who has broken Ronda Rousey's face, I'm automatically a fan for life, and I'm loyal to that. So Holly Holm in the very beginning against Minor Brandon Silva. What does she do? She pushes my so up against the cage, lands little pot shots against the body, a couple of head shots, but really not much went on. At the very end of the first round, you know, there was a little bit of an exchanging, but say, basically the first round was just Holly Holm with the wall wrestling. Yeah, it was what you expect out of Holly Holm. Right. Exact, you're like, okay, this is what we're going to be in for. <coughs> Another one of these. <laughs> Until. Second round, my way to Silva, they're in the same position again, puts on the ninja choke. And holds on, and like it looked like Holly Holm didn't know what to do. She panicked. Um, Myra Buena Silva just held on for dear life and was able to choke her out on the feet. Submission in the second round, early second round, for Myra Buena Silva over Holly Holm at 135 pounds. And that, my friend, was our UFC Vegas 77 breakdown. I'm going to give that one a C plus because there was some dull, you know, duds, and then there was some pretty good, exciting fights. So yes, definitely. I give it an A just for the wow. Main because Bueno Silva was so surprised that she did that, and Holly Holm was pissed, and it was just <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you and I had a um, private conversation about Holly Holm later on in the year. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about that. No, we're going to leave that one alone. But, uh, yeah, long, the long and short of it is I'm still a fan, and you are not, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. So our drop of the night last night, there wasn't too many to choose from. Definitely Pr Francisco Prado uh, for that left that dropped um, – that dropped Otman Azatar up against the cage. Definitely give him the drop of the night for last night. All right, let's go back to where we're going to have a crowd for next week, which is going to be awesome. we got picks for UFC Fight Night London. There are six on the main card. I'll get it started. I've got Paul Craig beating Andre. Oh, gosh. Do you see this one? What are we doing, Paul Craig? Yeah, who's he fighting? Andre who? Oh, hold on. Just okay. Second. I'm going to have to start writing down both names. Because, I'm sorry, fam. Uh, I, well, yeah, because I, <laughs> I got Paul Craig winning my submission in the second round. doesn't matter who he's fighting. It's somebody named Andre, I believe, because uh, once again, the old Rhino's handwriting is pretty terrible on this one. So I've got Paul Craig winning my submission in the second round as he's dropping down to 185 pounds. What do you have on that one, uh, APB? Well, I'm messing up, too, because I don't have Paul Craig, so I apparently picked the other guy, but I don't know which one it is. <laughs> no problem. All right. God. Let's go back to 145 pounds. I got Nathaniel Wood beating Andre Touchy-Feely by TKO in the third round. That's TKO three for Nathaniel Wood in front of his home crowd. What about you? I have Feely with TKO in three. Going into enemy territory and getting it all right. 
Let's get back into 145. I've got Lerone Murphy beating Joshua Kulibau by unanimous decision in that one. What about you? Which one is this again? Sorry. Lerone I found Murphy. out what the other guy's name was. It's Munez, and I picked oh, him with an armbar in round Munez. one. Andre Munez. Okay. Yeah. Andre Munez. To me, I can see the M, and then the rest is just ineligible. Ineligible. Illegible is what I was trying to say. We're having problems here on a Sunday we morning. We are. All right. So let's go ahead and get into So you have, um, between Lerone Murphy and Kulibau, who do you got? Murphy with a TKO in round one. And what, what did you pick for that one? I got Lerone Murphy by unanimous decision in that one. Okay. Okay. So then we're going to move into 155. They've got Ferez Zayam beating Jai Hiber by TKO in the third. And it's going to be body kicks. And I'm going to say specifically a left kick to the liver. So I've got Ferez Zayam left kick to the liver, TKO over Jai Hiber in that one. What about you? I have Zayam with a rear naked choke in round two. Interesting. All right. Let's go back to 125. We've got Meatball Molly McCann versus Julia Stolarienko. I've got Meatball using her uh, hooks and the crowd energy that she loves to draw from when she's over there fighting in her home country of England. I got Molly McCann winning by TKO in the second. That's TKO two due to strikes over Julia Stolarienko. What about you? I have also a TKO in round two. So that means that that's what it's going to be, right? Oh, we so both. both pick it? Yeah, absolutely. There's a, no, <laughs> no worries. That's definitely what's going to happen, 100%. All right. Let's move into our main event. we got Big Tom Aspinall versus Big Marcin Tybura. I think this is going to be a, a, a really fun fight in spots. And then Tybura is going to slow it down in spots. But eventually, Tom Aspinall is going to get that fourth-round TKO over Marcin Tybura. What about you, EPB? I just went with, since they're going to be, you know, in, you know, England, England, that's where they're going to be, right? <laughs> yeah, that's where they're going to be. Do I even know where we're going to be? I, y'all, I had a bottle of wine last night, so that's why I'm skipping it. <laughs> Sorry. But I think he's going to draw energy from the crowd, and <laughs> Tom Aspinall is going to get a clean KO in round one. Wow. Clean KO round one. Awesome. All right, the messiest so we've ever been right now. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> we're, having, we're having a rough one in the morning. But you it's know what? we now. It is fun, and our friends and our and our friends. I don't even like they call them fans. Our friends, they love us. They love the show, and uh, we, yeah, we really, really uh, appreciate that. When we're having a, a like a super crispy, clean, sleek show, like we do sometimes, or like today, we're just kind of a free for all, <laughs> and we're fucking up left, right, and center, but it's still fun. All right, so let's go ahead and get our Q and A sessions. Members of the Rhino Gang, we got our homie Ty, the Fly Guy, up first. Ty, what do you got for us this week, dude? Ty says, "I've got a two-parter for you this week." First, did Bueno Silva do enough to earn herself the title shot at Bantamweight? And what does the future hold for Holly Holm? Let me know what you think, and I'll catch you later. Peace. All right, my Denver Broncos loving fanatic. Here's what I got for this. Yeah, dude, I think Bueno Silva's name should definitely be in the mix for a title shot uh, soon at 135. 135 is not as deep as it's been in years past, obviously since the GOAT has retired it has opened up a little bit more so yeah she should definitely be in the mix dude and as far as holly goes if we're up to me here's here's what i gotta say i'd probably let her have one more fight as i think she's earned it over the years right it's not like she's been getting dominated you know we we see some other fighters you know lose four or five in a row she's four and four over her last eight it's usually like win one lose one win one lose one right so it's not like she's getting dominated i'd like to see her get her swan song particularly apb i would like to see her fight in new mexico that's where she has such a huge fan base. Is where she's from. Is where she trains. Um, let's give her one. Let's do a fight night in New Mexico over the next year, 
And let's let Holly Holm fight somebody kind of in the fringe, top 15, at 135 or 145. doesn't really matter. Let her have a fight. Let her press somebody up against the cage and baby punch her in the side and the head and have a few exchanges in the middle with some couple kicks and let her get a decision win and go out on her, uh, you know, go out on her sunset. I really would like to see her retire with some flowers, kind of like Robbie Lawler did not that I'm comparing her to Robbie Lawler. But I'm just saying, because she dethroned Ronda, and I always have a, a soft spot for, for Holly Holmes, I think she's going to get one more fight and get a win and go out that way. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, I want her to definitely have a, a fight to go go out on, for sure. But I don't know that <laughs> she'll be ready to go anytime soon. I think she's going <laughs> to she's gonna stay around as long as she can. So, I mean, who knows? Yeah, yeah, dude, that's kind of yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. All right, thank you very much, Ty. Make sure you check him out at Front Kicks and Throat Cuddle Spot. Thank you very much, Ty, the Fly Guy. All right, let's get into the juicy fruit, baby, for Friendly Sparring Pod Juice. What do you got for us this week, dude? Juicy fruit, baby. Well, first, let me say happy birthday, Juice, to you. And Juice's um, question for the show is: Does the UFC hate him? He says, "Does the UFC hate me?" <laughs> Giving me a weak-ass card for my birthday weekend. But I will say that, I mean, I don't really think it's it's weak. I mean, yeah, it's probably not the card you want for your birthday. But they did give you a tiny present of your favorite girl, Meatball Molly. And you already know, because Rhino and I picked it, that she's going to win by TKO in the second round. So that's your birthday present. You're welcome. Happy birthday. You're welcome, what you Jason. Happy- what do you think, Rhino? <laughs> So his birthday is next weekend for UFC London? Uh, He didn't say the date. I heard him say it the other day on his show, maybe like the 17th or something. I'm not sure the exact day, but it's coming up. Okay. Well, again, a a pre-happy birthday to you, my dude. And no, I don't think the UFC hates you. You're impossible to hate. You're a wonderful dude. And again, you are exactly in the demographic that they go for. Long-haired vegan stage actors <laughs> are exactly the audience that the UFC is trying to cater their their content to. So no, there's yes. no possible. <laughs> so no, you know, basically, I've got no explanation. I thought I thought it was a good one, but again, when these things come up, I am not the right person to talk about this because I enjoy every single UFC card, no matter what. At the very least, let's say it's a 12 fight card and eight suck. That means there was four that was good, and I, like, really enjoy those four fights. There is never a time where I've watched UFC card where I'm like, that was just a waste of time. I hated it. It sucked. I'm never going to do it again. There's been ones where I'm like, man, that wasn't very good, but at least I enjoyed it somewhat. You know what I'm saying? So such a junkie for combat sports. And so my homie Juice clearly is a little bit more of a refined palate. He requires a little bit more star power, a little (laughs) bit more um, oomph when it comes to his UFC cards, which I know I'm not going to hate on. I respect He's our boy, and we love him. And so, Juicy Fruit Baby, I hope that the upcoming London card, if last night was your birthday, I thought it would end up being okay. And if next week is your birthday with the London card, I think there could be some pretty good matchups on there, too. So we hope you enjoy. Either way, dude, and happiest of birthdays. You know how much we love you. Juicy Fruit Baby. So thank you very much. And check him and T-Cross out at the Friendly Sparring Pod. It's awesome time over there with those two gentlemen. So thank you, sir. All right. Let's get into our next one, which comes from the OG, the bank homie, Jim Jim, what do you got for us this week, dude? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino and the Rhino gang, hope y'all are doing well. Okay, you bunch of fucking casuals. Holly Holm is way too old to still be fighting. (laughs) All she does most of the time is hold her opponents against the cage. So, my question is obvious. What's next for the preacher's daughter? Retirement is my pick. And he says... 
hashtag for always 420 on this one so that's it's always 420 kids hashtag <laughs> always 420 <laughs> so yeah buddy i talked about a little bit with ty's question you're probably right you probably should just retire but as i've said a million times first of all even before getting into the ronda stuff she's in the over 40 club so like she and i would have gone to high school together and so like over 40 and still doing it at the top level of the ufc even if you get beat i'm still like I give that like a lot of credit. You know what I mean? It's hard. Like I hurt getting out of bed. You know what I mean? And she's out there running 20 miles and, you know, kicking bags for 12, 15 rounds and training really hard. So I give her a lot of credit and I want to give credit where credit's due. I, again, like I said, with Ty's question, I really like to see her get one more fight out there. Let her get a win and preferably in New Mexico. Cause like I said, she's earned it, dude. She's a former champion. She dethroned Ronda Rousey, who was just like, I, I've disliked very few fighters as much as I dislike her. So I'm always going to really appreciate Holly and her um, contribution to not just w women's MMA, but to MMA overall. And she came over from the boxing world where she was a champion, which is my world. So I, obviously I like her for that as well. So yeah, dude, you're probably right. You probably should. I'd like to see her get one more, preferably New Mexico, let her go out in the sunset that way. So that's your, that's uh, that's my answer on that one. OG, thank you so much for asking my dude. And once again, Every time the OG asks one, I get to hear APB's impression, which makes me laugh 100% of the time. So I appreciate that as well. So let's get into our home with a rage sweet potato. RSP, what do you got for us this week, dude? RSP says, over the years, a lot of MMA promotions have come and gone. Pride, WEC, Strike Force, Elite XC, and Icon were some of my favorites. Of all the now defunct organizations, which was your favorite and which do you miss the most? So I had to break this down into some different divisions, dude. So like <clears throat> RSP Pride was obviously the like the best. Pride had the biggest name fights and had the most exciting fights. It had that big fight feel um, from over there in Japan. It was just huge crowds. It was a lot of fun, right? But I only saw Pride on replays. Like I never saw them live, and I would have to hear about it later on. So you, you kind of just felt like you were, I don't know, I like watching fights live. I was a huge and a major WEC fanboy dude it was on the versus network which was later speed network or speed before it was versus one of the two so not only was it WC but you had the you had the tap out reality show with the guys who ran the tap out clothing line going around Cowboy Cerrone was one of the guys that they went around and they would like help these guys and sponsor them for their regional fights trying to get them in the bigger things so there was like this whole block of really cool MMA content in the early I don't know, 2006, 2007, 2008, somewhere in there. And the WEC was so fun. You got to really put the spotlight on the smaller weight classes. You had the blue mat, which was super cool. Again, you got to see Uriah Faber a lot in there. And then, uh, you know, there was a lot of really fun fights that took place at the WEC. So I definitely missed the WEC. However, if I've got to pick one, it's Strikeforce, dude. They were so much fun. They, you had the Challenger Series, which was kind of like a precursor to Dana White Contender Series, but for the uh, Strike Force brand on Thursday nights, where you saw like the young up and comers fight. And then on Saturdays was the main card, and the production value was super high. There was all kinds of shit talking. There was a lot of rivalries. And like I think back to like Nick Diaz versus Paul Daly, a lot of shit talking, and then a great fight that totally delivered. You want to talk about Frank, Nick Diaz versus Paul Daly, right? Then you can talk about Frank Shamrock versus Kung Lee. So cool. Kung Lee broke Frank's arm when Frank was blocking a body kick. It was great. Daniel Cormier, like, ripping through the heavyweight tournament that they had, including somebody, like, beating someone like Josh Barnett, dude, the way that he did. You knew Daniel Cormier was going to be something special. Obviously, at the early, um, you know, Ronda Rousey versus Misha Tate. So, like, there was a lot of fun, high-level content 
going on in Strike Force during that era. So I love Strike Force. I miss it to this day. Kudos to them for doing what they were able to do when they could do it. So yeah, that's my answer on that one. RSP, great question. A little stroll down MMA memory lane, my dude. All right, let's get to our last writing, which comes from the homie, the Doc. Doc, what do you got for this week, dude? Doc says a lot of people aren't giving Tibera much of a chance <clears throat> next week versus Aspinall. What's the best path to victory, in your opinion? Just slow him down, dude. That's the only. That's the only way he's gonna. He's gonna last. We all know how explosive and how hard Tom hits, and how he. You know, even though with the with the with the injury to the leg, you know he's gonna be spry out there. You know he's gonna be quick. He's young. He's big. He's fast. He is almost. Um, you know what you would build in a lab if you were looking for like a really good heavyweight fighter. So Marcin Tybura is going to have to use his caginess. He's going to have to use his craftiness. He's going to have to get takedowns. He's going to have to clinch. He's going to have to hold him up against the cage. Do anything he can to like drain some of the energy out of Tom Aspinall, and then maybe get a late submission. Maybe get a late you know TKO possible. I think Tom Aspinall wins nine out of ten times. So it's going to be up to Marcin Tybura to do everything he can to slow the fight down and make it as long as he possibly can. Take it into deep waters and the and the. And the uh, Championship rounds, that's his only chance for me, besides a lucky punch. So, yeah, dude, that is my answer on that one. Great question, Doc. All right. That's going to conclude our writing questions. So let's go ahead and get our 10 rounds of Rhino with Alan Cruz after a quick word from our sponsor, KR Designs. Hey, Rhino gang. Are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at KR Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, K&RCustomDesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. All fight favorites, we're another fantastic guest going 10 rounds Rhino this week. 11 and 4, Bellator lightweight. Alan Cruz is joining us. Alan, thank you so much for taking the time out today, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, uh, we are super stoked to have you on, dude. So basically, buddy, round one with Rhino is always the same. I love to hear the origin story. How'd you first get involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, my dude? Uh, man, it started with high school wrestling. Uh, you know, I played baseball from age six until. I got to high school, but that was when I went through my uh, skater phase, and I was all I was doing was skateboarding, and I wouldn't show up to practice, uh, baseball practice, and you know I was just kind of getting out of shape. And it's funny because I I tried out for the baseball team at my high school, and mind you, I'm very good. I mean, I, I played on the all star teams, you know, AAU, all that stuff, and 
our first tryout, we didn't even do we didn't even do anything sport related. So it wasn't like I was fielding balls or or hitting or doing anything. We just did pole sprints. And I did pole sprints and I threw up like I mean, I was pretty out of shape and uh, I got cut that first day. And then I was like, wow, I was like, you didn't even watch me play the actual game. And so uh, my friend, he told me like, hey, man, like, you know, come try out the wrestling team. And I was like, all right, I'll try it. So, you know, I joined the wrestling team and I loved it. And then um, as far as like branching off from the wrestling into MMA, there was no wrestling club uh, during the summer for our our high school because it wasn't really like we were more like basketball volleyball and football heavy so there wasn't a lot of funding for our our wrestling team so i told my mom hey can you put me in some type of martial arts gym uh preferably one that has mma because one of my friends he he was actually a pro fighter while we were in high school he was only 16 but uh he had already he was already one and one and he kind of like he was kind of like you know part of like my inspiration to start training and so my mom signed me up for tiger shulman's that was around here and they were transitioning from a karate gym into an MMA gym. And that was the first time I got into grappling and uh, kickboxing. And then I fell in love with it. And so I would go to wrestling uh, in the daytime after school. And then after wrestling, I'd go home, I would eat, and then I'd go to Tiger Shulman's and I would do my grappling and kickboxing there. And then that was kind of the beginning for me. Very cool, my dude. Now, your next scrap is on August 11th at Bellator 298. Every camp is different, dude. My pro career, every camp was different. I know yours have been. We all have different times of a camp where we have things we focus on. Was there a particular focal point of this camp for this upcoming fight that you really wanted to focus on? Or were you just kind of like, you know, business as usual, I want to level up everywhere? Uh, Kind of business as usual, like you said. Um, Maybe tightening up, you know, certain things like my wrestling entries and um some striking things like some of my boxing a little more use my hands some more and really the biggest thing that i guess the biggest change going into this fight was really just being more organized and adding like special sessions so i kind of watched um henry cejudo's youtube channel when he was getting ready for to fight aljamain and in the very first episode of his camp vlogs he had his whole um coaching staff they all met up in a room. I mean, it was like a board meeting for like a so corporate uh, company or something. And he, they basically, he basically wrote out the schedule on a big whiteboard, how he was thinking this, this 10 week camp was going to go. And, you know, he would have his sessions up and be like, I want to do this on this day and then work with coach. So-and-so I want to do this and this, and then he would get feedback from them and they'd be like, well, we can't do that. Like, let's do this instead. And I liked how organized everything was because usually, you know, most fighters, I think when you go into camp, unless you've got your coaches like really setting you up with like some special stuff, which for the most part, if you're not like fighting at a higher level, you're kind of just going to classes and then maybe your coach is hitting mitts with you. But, you know, for this camp, I did have all my coaches meet up. I had my strength conditioning coach, my wrestling coach, my striking coach. Um, I even had my physical therapist is in contact with my strike, my strength and conditioning coach. And basically, we sat down, we figured out a schedule uh, that worked. I added in some extra wrestling classes, like one-on-ones with my wrestling coach. And I'll have, I have like another person that goes with me as an uke. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the biggest thing is just being more organized, like really organized about what what days I need to do what, um, what is our objective for this camp. So there are certain objectives that we want to meet um, leading up to the fight, like as far as strength conditioning goes, as far as the striking goes, as far as the wrestling goes. So I'd say the biggest change going into this camp, aside from, like I said, the, the tuning up of everything, you know, because you're always trying to get better everywhere, is really just organization. Very cool, my dude. Now, basically, you know, you have fought a lot of different people over over your uh, your career. Your up, your upcoming opponent that night is Alfie Davis. What, if anything, do you know about him and what he'll he's going to be bringing into the cage? You're going to be prepared for. Um, he's he's kind of like a traditional kickboxer or a traditional martial artist. So, you know, he's got a lot of nice, you know, uh. I don't want to say unorthodox kicks because if you do traditional martial arts, it's not really unorthodox, but things that you don't see in MMA as much, like unless you're watching Wonder Boy, he trains with MVP um, from what I hear. So it's it's going to be more like, you know, he's re- very, re- very kick heavy, um, which is kind of like me. Uh, he's uh, he switches a lot like stances. He's ortho. He's southpaw. He's he's athletic. You know, he's strong. I mean, he's pretty well rounded. Uh, I'd say the biggest gap in his game is probably his ground game, his grappling, and maybe his wrestling. So, you know, I, obviously I'm working on my wrestling and my grappling as well. But, you know, I'm definitely down to strike with him. You know, it's not like the it wouldn't be the first time I fought, you know, a, a striker and then strike with them. So that's kind of his biggest thing that, you know, from what I know. I mean, I'm not going to assume anything. I always assume that if I'm fighting a wrestler, maybe he's been working on his hands and his uh, kickboxing. He may come out and kick box me for 15 minutes or vice versa this guy may be a striker but he comes out and he starts wrestling like Khabib so I'm just always assumed I'm always ready for whatever's gonna happen and I'm never really training specifically for one person maybe like I dial things in for this person in this camp but for the most part I'm, I'm really just trying to improve things to prepare for the champ so everything I'm trying to prepare for is to fight Usman Namagomedov. Yeah, dude, that makes 100% sense to me. Now, dude, you are on a three-fight win streak right now. Obviously, you know, you're in your, you have 15 pro fights under your belt, your amateur career under your belt. But in seeing you fight your last two or three times, dude, I feel like you have really kind of hit your stride right now. Do you feel like you're fighting the best that you ever have in your career right now? Yeah, I definitely think I do, or I am. Uh, and I think a big part of that is my coaching change. Not that I don't train with my old coach, uh Dana Hurtado with Deflor, but I I moved uh, my primarily my primary camp now is Kaizen Tampa under Vince McGinnis, and the biggest thing between me and Vince is that you know Vince is really big on doing one on ones like really breaking down fights you know he's obsessed with the game like I am so he's watching video I mean he'll count he sent me video or pictures of him counting how many kicks this person throws in a round, how many person or how many punches this person throws in a round. Um, he did the same thing with Bobby King. And, you know, we're doing mitt work three, four, sometimes five times a week, you know, just one-on-one, just working on what we need to do for the fight and just repping things out. You know, he's very methodical. And like I say, he's very obsessed with the game. And I think you got to be obsessed with it. And he, you know, he's a black belt in Bang Muay Thai under Dwayne Ludwig. And Dwayne Ludwig, you know, TJ's coach, He's very obsessive as well, and I think Vince kind of picked up on that because he went out and trained in Colorado for, I want to say, like a year or two, you know, to get his, you know, brown belt and to train under Dwayne and see how he coaches. 
And so that kind of rubbed off on him. And, you know, I'm able to, uh, I guess, benefit from, you know, him doing that. And now that we have we have such a synergy between the two of us, like we're always on the same page. You know, I can make suggestions about what I think might work in the fight and run it past him. And he'll say, yeah, maybe let's try that. And then vice versa. He'll say, I think this is going to work here. I'll try it. And then, you know, we can kind of plug and play versus like just the coach, you know, you know, unfortunately, like my other coach, you know, we it's not it's just he, he was always busy and he wasn't really like he wasn't able just to only coach. He has a, you know, a job and kids and everything, whereas Vince doesn't have uh, kids. He doesn't have like a family like that. And he all he does is coach in martial arts. So he's he's a little more invested in that in that sense. So. Um, I'd say the biggest thing that, you know, you can see it in my fights is just having that one-on-one coaching style, you know. Even for my my UFC fight when I fought Udo, it was my last fight in the UFC. Uh, I was out in Vegas, you know, training out there during COVID. And it's tough because, you know, you're not going to hit mitts with Coach Eric or, you know, any of, like, the, the big head coaches. It's going to be other fighters holding mitts for you because not to say you're kind of a number, but it's a big gym and there's a a lot of Bellator, UFC fighters, PFL fighters in that gym at Extreme Couture. So unless you're one of the big guys, you're kind of just, you know, you are kind of a number there, you know. So I think coming back home and and back home in Tampa, you know, was able to help me level up because I'm getting that one-on-one attention. Dude, that makes perfect sense, bro. Now, Conflict, Fury, the UFC, Dana White Contender Series, now Bellator. You've really cut your teeth in a whole bunch of different promotions, and you've had a really nice career thus far for yourself. Can you think of one fight that kind of stands out, Alon? Like, that's the fight that I felt like I fought the best in. That's my favorite knockout. That was my favorite submission. Like, is there one fight in your on your resume that you really look back at and reflect on? Like, man, I really love that performance. Um, I'd say when I fought just before the Contender Series, I fought – Guy Curry, he's a black belt from Brazil. And, you know, we went three rounds. He was number, I want to say he was either number one or number two ranked guy in Georgia at the time. And, you know, he was on a three or four fight win streak. He had just beat this kid that uh, Caleb Williams, who was at ATC Coconut Creek, who I've seen fight personally. And I've seen him run through people. And and Guy had destroyed him. And I was like, wow, this is a great fight. And, you know, I basically, you know, outclassed him for three rounds uh, in the grappling. You know, like I said, black belt from Brazil. Like, I mean, it doesn't matter. I, mean, I have a great grappling background, too. But, you know, black belt on the ground, everything. I, I dominated on the ground. I dominated in stand up. My cardio was great. And um, that was actually a really that was actually a really fun fight. I tell you what, my ankles, my ankles hurt a lot, though. Kicking somebody in the dome for three rounds doesn't feel good. Um yeah, and then after that fight, that's when I got with my actually my I saw one of my buddies um, in the back room of an amateur fight that I was helping corner somebody, uh, Josh Rafferty. He was on the Ultimate Fighter season one, and he was like, "Dude, this is when I, I was thinking I was on like a I was on a three or four fight win streak," and he was like, "Yo, he's like, how are you not in the UFC by now?" And uh, I was like, "Dude, I was like, I can't get." Uh, I was like, "I don't know." I was like, "I messaged Sean Shelby on email and, and talked to him a couple times, but." You know, he's like, we'll just keep a spot open for you. Or, you know, if we need a, a person to jump in last minute, we'll call. Obviously, I'm sure he gets those emails all day. And I, 
I didn't have an agent at the time, so he hooked me up with uh, my current agent, Dana Rubenstein, uh, Ruby Sports and Entertainment, and you know he manages a lot of big people. You know, Mackenzie Dern, he was managing uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley. He manages Petter Jan, so that that fight basically propelled me to get my contender series fight and then start my journey, I guess, on these higher level fights. That's it. Um, hey, sorry about that. The uh, the mic wouldn't come off of mute there. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, dude, let's get into something like away from the cage, away from the training room, away from the wrestling room, just away from all things that are fighting. We have to find balance. We have to have things that we do that are mm-hmm. relaxing, that take us away from that, you know, high stress, high intensity environment. What are some things you like to do to kind of decompress, relax, and just have some fun, my dude? Um, yeah, I mean, I love watching movies, listening to music. Um, but aside from that, like actual like hobby stuff, I, I love to shoot guns. Like I go to the range, you know, every Sunday when I don't have a fight coming up, you know, because when I'm usually like I blocked out Sunday specifically for me to go hit the range. Um, I take my rifle out there, I take my pistols, whatever. And uh, the thing is, when I'm in camp on Sundays, I have mitts in the morning, so it kind of ruins my uh, my my range day unless I go later in the day or I go another day and I have time. But you know, with my schedule, I'm pretty I'm pretty tired. I'm pretty busy for the most part. So I'd say that's one of the biggest things I like to do is is go to the range and shoot guns. Now, that's a, that's one that a lot of fighters have shared, and I think it really does have to do something about, like, uh, it's still exciting, and it still gives you that adrenaline rush, but it also kind of, like, clears your mind of everything else. You can, like, singularly focus on trying to hit the target and trying to shoot. So, <clears throat> yeah, dude, there have been a lot of fighters who have really shared that same uh, that same passion. Now, there's a fun one for you, Alon, and it's funny that almost all fighters fall into one of two categories. They either know right away, or it takes them a minute to really kind of figure it out. So we'll see which one you fall into. If you could not fight for a career, there was no money in fighting. You had to have a different career outside of the fight world. What do you think you'd be doing, my guy? Like if fighting was like had never even happened or like just like fighting stopped now? Yeah, there is no longer. You can still fight, but it's all amateur. There is no money in okay. fighting. So you have okay. to have a career to put food on the table. Yeah. Um you know, I've kind of thought about like, I guess like it, it's another probably like a typical fighter thing is like, because <laughs> I know a lot of fighters that go into real estate. Um, just because like I, 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 that is one of my goals is to like own property and, you know, be able to have rental properties and, you know, build a portfolio and just make money off owning these different properties and renting them out over time. And, uh, you know, I just like, I like going in the houses and like, you know, seeing different, uh, I guess I don't say architecture, but you know, designs on the interior and stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm definitely down to watch like some HGTV and watch like income property or something like that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I probably get into real estate, (laughs) you know, short, short, short answer. No, dude, that's totally fine. Now this is, this is a fun one. This is one that everybody loves. This one I love. And, uh, usually the fighters do too, particularly if they're in the middle of a weight cut. So we all have to cut weight as part of our thing as, as professional fighters. It's just something we have to do. It sucks. Nobody likes to do it, but it's what we have to do. So in doing that, we deprive ourselves of some of our most favorite things to eat, um, really indulge in. So put yourself in the mindset of you've already won the fight. You're out with your friends, your family, everybody's out, you know, having a good time. You can go and throw down on whatever you want to eat. What are you going to get and where are you going to get it from, my dude? 
Uh, it's always IHOP pancakes. I'm going to go to IHOP. I'm going to get a big stack of pancakes, uh, put strawberry syrup all over it. Like I, I douse, I, I, I drench my pancakes in strawberry syrup. Um, and then with a side of eggs, bacon, and an iced coffee. Uh, like a, like a, some like, like, you know, tasty iced coffee. It's going to be like vanilla or like mocha or something. Something that tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> a big breakfast is always a good call, dude. I can totally co-sign on that. Now, Alon, we have, we have careened our way into the 10th round. It's just the easiest round of them all, my dude. Just share your social medias with us. A meme, everybody in the Rhino gang, everybody listening. We can all follow you along in your career, keep tabs on you moving forward. So just share your social medias with us, dude. Awesome, man. Um, yeah, you can follow me at Alon Cruz, A-A-L-O-N-C-R-U-Z, and that's on all platforms. Luckily, I have a unique enough name, I guess, to uh, yeah. be able to have these, be able to have my just my normal name as all of my things. So Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Facebook, uh, you name it, it's all the same. Alon Cruz, A-A-L-O-N-C-R-U-Z. Hell yeah, dude. No, you're right. That is easy. It's really nice. So, everybody, let's go ahead and follow Alon all over all the social media platforms that you use. Let's all give him you know, our support as he comes up on the August 11th Bellator 298 fight. Uh, Alon, we know how busy it is right now with, like, you know, fight camp and everything going on. We really appreciate you taking the time to do the interview today. And best of luck and best of skill in August, my friend. Thank you, brother. I appreciate you having me on. This is Alon Cruz, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Alan, dude, that was awesome. We really, really appreciate it, my dude. And I appreciate the fact that uh, I was having some mute problems when I would hit the mute button. I couldn't get the mute back on, which you rolled with, and you were awesome, dude. We really, really appreciate you. And best of luck and best skill in your next scrap, my dude. We can't wait. All right, let's give a shout-out to our Outdoor Tour forum contributors to Ty the Fry Guy from Front Kicks and Throw Cuddles, to the Juicy Fruit Baby from Friendly Sparring Pod, to the big homie Jim Asun, and you're right, it's always for 20 kids, to our homie the Rage of Sweet Potato, to my dude the Doc, to APB, the co-host with the mohos. To my to my homies, Milliken, Cyrus King, Filthy Casual, Hunter and Dylan for 24-7 FC. To Fabian, the man of mayhem. To Tempting Tory, Tom and Sandy. To Sanga, Miss Fight Diva, our homie Brat, my favorite Swede. To Steffi, Shannon and Gina from the PRG. To Leslie, Kairos, Mike Morgan. My beloved Rhino Gang GC. Love you guys, Rhino Gang, gang, gang. To the feature play, Andrea. To D Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. To our homie Jay at JMMA4 on Twitter and at JMMA on YouTube. Fantastic graphic designer. He does um, he does content creation with uh, UFC video game and other UFC and combat sports related video game stuff. Really, really cool stuff. Check him out. Dude, it is so hot all over America, uh, especially in the Southwest and in Texas and Florida, California. Please, guys. Remember to take your pets inside. Give them cold water to drink. Don't make them walk on the hot cement. Uh, you know, their little their little paws can't take it. And keep yourself safe. Keep yourself hydrated inside in the air as much as you can. We really, really got to get through this heat wave. And I hope everybody is staying safe out there. And, you know, we just love you guys so much. And we love seeing around here, APB. Love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week. Gate side in London. <laughs>